Hey, it's an artist podcast number 352. Uh, I will be at Helium in Portland May 9th, 10th, and 11th. And then just recently added Helium in Philly uh, starting June 27th, June 28th, and June 29th. Also in between there, Ramshead Live in Baltimore, Maryland, May 24th, May 25th, the 930 Club in D.C. And then backtracking a little bit, uh, May 15th, Leicester Square Theater in London. And then a bunch of stuff coming up. Oh, Comic-Con is on sale July 20th, Saturday. Uh, looks like 930 at the Balboa Theater. So get tickets for that now because they're, they're actually selling really well. <laughs> what the hell? I swear to God, I'm not humble bragging. I'll always be surprised when that happens. I will always be surprised when that happens. Uh, go to Nerdist.com slash calendar to get tickets. I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. You're probably like, hey, wouldn't a postage meter in my house be great? While you're at it, why not get a mimeograph, too, if you want outdated technology? Use computers. They're great. You're using one now, probably. I'm using one to deliver this to you. So stamps.com gives you all the benefits of a postage meter, but at a fraction of the cost. You probably didn't hear any of that because you're probably still trying to figure out what a mimeograph is. It uses carbon paper, and it's a giant roll. My grandfather had one in his bowling center. It was, a, it was an enormous machine that for a while was like a hand crank, and then they became electric, and... Uh, and then everyone ate rocks back then, too, okay? Is that what you want to hear? Forget about it. You can look up a mimeograph, or you can just go on stamps.com. Uh, any letter, any postage, uh, any class of mail, you can print it out. You never have to step foot inside a post office again. Everything you can do right from your desk in front of your computer. You have a no-risk trial right now using the promo code NERDIST. It's a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and 55 bucks of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. That is stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Skydart is mouthing all of my words in a derisive fashion at the moment. No, you're not going to say anything, are you? No, she's shaking they, they've her. They've heard enough of now, me. No, see, you're talking now. They've heard enough of me. But then why would you say that? Why would you they don't need me anymore. What are you, me? <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun episode of the Nerdist Podcast for me because... Uh, I've been friends with Bob Saget since 1998, and uh, he's a lovely, wonderful, loyal friend that I lost touch with over the years. Because it happens when you get older, you lose touch with your friends. And God damn it, if the same thing didn't happen, it's just like the podcast with my dad, where it actually took a podcast for me to sit down with someone I care about and have a conversation with them that I didn't have for years. And so uh, that's what we did. I was in New York, and Bob came up to my hotel room. And uh, and we had a we had a conversation that, I you know, I wish we had just talked like this years ago. And, uh, and we've been communicating again since. But uh, I adore the guy. And he has a comedy special coming up May 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern, I believe, on Showtime. So here he is. Bob Saget on the Nerdist Podcast, number 352. And I just went up at the end like I was going to say something else, but I'm not. So, podcast! Now entering Nerdist.com. doing 
good. I'm good. This is going to be mean, our ketchup because we haven't had time to catch up in, in and years. Ketchup's my favorite condiment. Good. I like mayo. I'll smear it on my tits. You can. please do, and I'm going to rub mayo all over my mouth so it looks like we had a tit to mouth. A, uh, a TTM. Oh, TTM. Yeah, yeah. TTM's great. I used to host. I had a joke which I don't do, but which is uh, I hosted AFHV, which is it sounds like a. Yeah. ATM. It sounds yeah. like it's incurable. I had <laughs> I had AFHV. It was very painful. <laughs> and now, like, well, they're, Tom Bergeron has it now. But, they can inoculate for that, right? They take out the H. That's all they can do. That's they can get they can you to AFV. But that's it. But you're functional. It's, it's remission. <laughs> you don't have to watch the person hit cement. Do you ever miss that show? That's funny. Uh, I, I, you're the opposite of it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I was hosting a, a game show on NBC. I remember one versus one hundred. One versus one hundred. Yeah, and Adam West was on, and uh, he was Batman, right? So I liked Batman when I was a kid, and I asked him after it was over, and I feel bad about it because I love Adam West, and Batman was on for two years, right? And I said to Adam West, "Do you ever miss Batman?" And it's a a question like you just asked me, of course. And they would say to you, you know, one day someone will say to you, "Do you do you miss Nerdist?" Yeah. Because well, they say, ask me now if I miss Singled Out. Right, but when you're 60, you probably don't want to... Singled Out, probably... Nerdist, they're both cool. I mean, they both kind of connotate a single guy figuring out life. <laughs> okay. And admitting who he is. Me asking a guy if he misses Batman <laughs> is a two-year <laughs> Halloween party. So, it's like the guy was in costume for two years, and it was a farce, and he was... You know, they didn't have the rubber suits that made you look good. Yeah. He didn't have the Michael Keaton abs. Right. And he started to cry a little bit because it was emotional for him because that's what they regard him as. And he's done funny stuff. Did you ever see the um, Conan O'Brien thing look well? That uh, Oh, yeah. It, that started Adam West. Yes. A, a guy that believes he's still a cop. That never, a actually, that never actually got picked up. No, no. That's right. what you are kind of uh, becoming an empire in your way, whether you strike back or not. But you, <laughs> no, but it's, uh, oh man, sorry. No, it's good. You, uh, it's but, good, but, good for the demographic. Well, okay. Well, these are my people too. They are. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. I lived in a Duraflame log when I was twelve. You know, I had nothing. I remember. Uh, I mean, you know, my uh, even before I met you, um, you know, I always look at the Dangerfield Ninth Annual Young Comedian Special as like that was just that was a hub of so many people. I mean. And I've talked about this a million times when Maurice LaMarche was on the podcast. Yep, Bob Nelson. And Bob Nelson. Richie Gold. I remember him, but I don't remember what happened to him. New York guy. He's alive. I think he's alive. A lot of guys are not. Yeah. Well, I got Kennison his first... I helped... Well, I didn't get it. He didn't need my help because he was a meteor. But he, uh, I would teed him up at the comedy store for his first spot at the comedy store. And that's how old it makes me. And then he... Became friends with Rodney because he was hanging out at the store a lot, and then I would hang out with them. But I wasn't uh, partaking in the insanity that Sam was in, sure. which I did a little bit later. You met me when I was more into. I didn't even drink really when I when I met Sam. I was at the comedy store hosting, and I would have a beer. And, uh, <laughs> You're pretty, pretty, pretty straight arrow. A straight arrow, but you hang out with you know Robin Williams and Sam Kennison and watch by example. So could anyone keep up with Kennison? He just seemed like a no. If you went to a room and there was a, a stand-up mirror, it would end up on on the ground just because he wanted to look at himself <laughs> while doing. Lay, well, he was laying down, <laughs> but um, he was pretty. He was pretty hardcore. He was pretty amazing. I mean, he was really funny. Was his act? Was he always that? Was was his act always? Was was he one of those guys that 
the first time he went on stage, it was like, oh yeah, that's it, that's the guy. Or did he have to? Did you think he have to find that? Point? He'd already done it because he was a Pentecostal minister. So he, his backstory was for years he'd been doing tent shows, uh, like Leap of Faith, with, yeah. you know, and he yeah. would just. It was a, a fake charlatan thing, and he'd bring people up. I heard his brother Bill Kennison told me that they, and Sam told me too, they both told me that there was a guy in the audience when he was, before he became a comic, and he was a faith healer, kind of. He said, Does anybody need to be healed? And, I, and the guy goes, If I do. And then it was really sad. It was like a Lenny Mice and Men kind oh, of sure, guy. Sure, sure. And then they go, Come on up here, brother. And the guy came up and supposedly hit his head on a beam, oh. and his pants dropped. And he had a gigantic unit that was like swinging and moving, and it was just and he, and he cut his head open, and everybody saw how big he was and everything, and that he um, he had to get stitches, and he came back another time, and uh, I don't know I don't know what the punchline was whether he hit his head again, but I just know he had a giant penis <laughs> under a tent, which is now, the big top. These these these, these are spurious details. These, are, how these does, are jewels. How does someone how does someone hit their head and then their low pants go to... tent? Oh, okay, low gotcha. Beam gotcha. Tent. It's like a bar mitzvah, except. But how does someone's healing. pants come down? The uh, drawstring. Oh, Lil Abner kind of you know okay, not gotcha. good, not good backwoods. Right, right. Deliverance kind of family. Sure. Product of. Oh man. anyway, but and the, he couldn't heal that. No, you can't. You can't heal or faith it. Or, <laughs> so that was Sam. He was. But he and then he um, was a comic. I met him in Houston, and he had had a real Jesus complex because he also figured out that religion he thought was uh, just a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And he he they wouldn't let him perform at the Comedy Works in Houston, and so he put on a diaper and a crown of thorns and chained himself to a telephone pole. <laughs> In front oh of the Comedy Works, God. and it was in the Houston Chronicle. So I was working at the Laugh Stop in Houston. I picked up the Chronicle, and it was a picture of Sam strapped to... They showed it to me at the club, actually. I think it was a not that day. And then I went and hung out with him a lot. And it, he wasn't um, It wasn't a He wasn't a rough-rolling drug user, to my knowledge, or, or drinker, to my knowledge. And then I went to... Um, then he came to L.A., and he just exploded. Because he had, the, you know, his message was holding up a, a truth light to, you know, you live in the desert. You know, this kid, his whole thing was a, the, you know, you have those commercials where they go to another country and there's a starving kid yeah. in a hole. And, and of course, the film crew but, couldn't give this yeah. kid a sandwich. Right, the cameraman could give yeah. him a sandwich. Don't feed him yet, he's got to look hungry. You live in the desert. Yeah, go move where, where the, the food, food is. is. Yeah. So that's, and some people didn't love him because he was also a bit misogynistic and, uh, and anti-women, but... I, that kind of helped me. <laughs> I have so many. I have three daughters, as you know. Who are have, lovely and amazing and brilliant. That's really, really kind. And they love you, by the way. They, I remember they, them when no, they I mean, were... they love you. They're old enough now. Now it's okay. But you're spoken for. Yeah, I am. But I, but I remember them when they were just little kids. I mean, yeah. I remember... I think you might have met one of them when she was just an egg. I don't think you knew one. No. No, Jenny was the young... Jenny was alive. She the youngest was just one a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> but like I remember... I remember going to Aubrey's bat mitzvah. You did at uh, like an art gallery or something. We she were was, at she's a painter. Bergamot station. Did, and did she paint or did she did paint? There was her paintings. And do you know who the event planner was? No, Brittany, the one on the housewives thing. Oh the famous, God, that was the event planner. Oh, I'm so sorry. Isn't that crazy? That's weird. Life is so beautiful. When it all just turns into reality shows, but it was your life. But you, <laughs> all the people you know just were on reality shows. You have cool, smart daughters. Thank you. Did um, it ever freak you out when? <laughs> yes, every everything because everything that I started 
We met, we'll tell you, you people that we met uh, when Singled Out had just been canceled. Yeah. And it's like 97, think, 98, 98, I think. I think the video show was, oh, Full House might have been over, but the video show was about to come. No, 97, 98, I directed Dirty Work in 97, so I must have been done with both of them. Okay. I only know go by work or a consequential moment that's, with my daughters. That's that's the calendar. Or did my mother fall? <laughs> and may she be... How's your mother? She's good. How's your mom? My mom's good. good. She told me to say hello. I spoke to her on the way here. My mom told me the same thing. And then, you know, she was talking dirty to me, which is really creepy. <laughs> my mom, mom could talk dirty to you. That'd be totally fine. Your mother likes my comedy, which always scares it. me. No, she loves it. And I'm kind of blue, but not as blue. Well, I'm not as blue. But you always have one of my favorite jokes, and I, I egged you on into ta- telling it on stage once at the comedy at the Laugh Factory and I don't think it went as well and you're like fuck <laughs> that always happens it was the story where uh, it was the joke where you go uh, uh, I had a tattoo of my mother's face put on my ass because it was the only thing that would keep my dad from butt fucking me yes that's true <laughs> now you've, you released my uh, my censorship gene just now <laughs> my mother's good she walks like a thing that would you well, a little R2D, R2-D2-ish she's like the wind up R2-D2-ish she's like she waddles she kind of moves I'm not I don't know I'm bringing up R2-D2 because I know it's one of your oh, so most I, important signals you stickers. also could have gone Captain Christopher Pike I love him with the three things. I want to do a game show as him one day because I'll be him. <laughs> just a just a head in the. Thing. I've used his reference so many times. He was basically that was a Maytag shelled out machine they put him in. They you know that you know everything about this, but you know it wasn't because William Shatner wasn't hired and they fired Jeffrey Hunter. Right. That's like the coolest thing in the world that they screwed over an actor. That's so terrible. They hated him so much <laughs> that they gave another actor. They painted him, put him in a box, a Maytag box. Painted it with three lights, and he was just, we'll, we'll just run the footage because it was too expensive to shoot a pilot that we don't want him in. Right. That's like shooting someone in the back or putting McLean Stevenson in a helicopter and blowing it up at the end of Matt. It's like, <laughs> it's going, we just don't, it would be like if Full House had ended the way, ask me my favorite Full House okay, episode. Okay, what's your favorite Full House episode? The last one. But if they had killed me on that show, that would be really bad because they had already lost their mom, which is about as bad as life can get. Did, was there and ever... I say this because I've had a lot of loss in my family. Of course. I don't mock death. I, no. I'm actually writing a book about it, about comedy and death. But you have a you have a really... Well, first of all, I think it could have been interesting to end Full House, like, massive earthquake-level San Francisco credits roll. <laughs> Just Michelle's alive. <laughs> Everybody is like, you know... You got it, dude. You know. Where is everybody? Oh, no. I, no the punchline would be her line, which was, on nuts. <laughs> Credits. Yeah. <laughs> you just see just carnage. But you... Stamos's hair is just in a corner. But you always... But, you you know, your, your sense of humor, which uh, people were always surprised by. I was never surprised by it because... Yeah. I was a fan of your comedy in the 80s, and, and I loved all of your... Uh, Will Wheaton and I used to watch your comedy specials and do the... Uh, um, uh, my mom never let me go to camp because she didn't want me undressing in front of little boys. But I've changed. I kind of like it now. Like it's it just like jokes. That's super... not true. I like it a lot. That's not true. I'm not a senator. Yeah, it's, it's just super fast. And, and it was always it's all Groucho based. It's just because I always watched people that I love. Yeah, and just you know you don't you don't end it. There's no blow to the joke, not drug <laughs> blow, but there's no. It just doesn't end. You know, you just keep. You just dry heave it until I just there's just nothing. I just married my girlfriend of seven years. That's her age. I'm going to jail. I'm just kidding. I'm nuts over her. She's this She's tall. She's this tall. Oh, I remember all those fucking jokes. I have a couple like that now. But um, then you. But then people 
when they would see you after you left the shows and <clears throat> started doing stand-up, and then they were like, oh my God. And I was doing it during the shows. I actually had an HBO special while both Full House and the America's Funniest Home Videos were on, and it was a, it was not a, I'm not proud of it. Like, I choose to not uh, sell it anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was half hour of trying to get to the gig in a dream. It was called In the Dream State. Unplugging, what am I doing? And then can't find it, thank God. And then the second half was stand-up. And it was dirty. I mean, I was talking, I was saying fuck a bunch and just, I mean, it, it was, and people didn't really care and it got a good rating. But if you turn the sound off while you watch my stand-up, even now, it just, I, I still look like your dentist or an accountant, <laughs> basically. If I was, if, there, if you didn't know me, then people go, oh, Bill Nye the Science Guy, oh, Dr. Oz, you know, whatever. They right. all say the same stuff. Stephen Colbert is the nicest compliment, you know, because he's so funny and, and brilliant at it. Right. But, and, but I think, you know, dealing with lookalikes, I meant using. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean as comedians. I meant anyway, you meant as right? I mean, people that tell me. The people tell me I look like. Yeah, well, because yeah. you're a white guy. You're a white guy with glasses, so you look like a bunch of other white the guys with glasses. Vlas- Greg Duraldo, may you rest in peace. Of, I would look like the Vlasic pickle stork. <laughs> did he say that? He did. He said that because I had little wire rimmed glasses at the time. But it, you know, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. There's nothing you can do about it. It's, There's nothing. You it's can a do. nose and glasses, and if it doesn't come off with them, you are. Um, Semitic. But so interesting, I mean, you know, when you sort of look at uh, uh, the Jews, a lot of tragedy, a lot of struggle, oh, a so lot, they, lot so of comedy. They, so they say. Yeah, it's true. Are you a Holocaust denier? Not, I'm a die, die. I, and I will do benefits for it to support my contradiction. Rodney Dangerfield started me out, kind of, one of the many dry heaves of, of, of queef uh, careers begin. Hello, everybody. Um, I, at, well, that Young Comedian special was the first one that Rodney ever hosted. Uh, the one that I was on, and he, he, he used to say to me, "You got a, you got a good head, man. You're fucked. You got a Jew head. You know, better to be born, you know, stupid and rich and not Jewish. But you're fucked. Your head never stops. You're fucked for your whole life. You're fucked." So he basically told me what he'd gone through, and he looked at life. And it's actually I'm writing about it in this book I'm writing, which is really about comedy and death. And that's how he lived, always thinking you're doing six minutes for the Nazi border guard, which is the premise of a lot of comedians' oh, mentality. Oh, that's really fascinating. And, and, and I never thought about that. Lenny Bruce, that, that was his way of looking at life as well. I mean, there were certain people that they were completely criticized all the time, and Lenny Bruce wanted it that way. That gave him his ammo, but it, near the end of his life, he just read you know minutes from his trial, which wasn't that funny. But it's always being persecuted. So Rodney was like, "You give me your best six minutes, and hope he doesn't just shoot you." You know, you know, man. That's just that's what it is. He would say, Rodney would say, I, "I got no start. Um, I got no finish, and I'm weak in the middle." <laughs> well, and you you hung out with him a lot. Yeah, I got his life too. I, yeah, I did, and I had. You said you'd go over to his place, and he'd be in a robe, and his balls would just balls be out. hanging out. And he's like, "Sorry, man, I didn't know you were coming." And I was like, but he knew. He, he would always have. He had a meeting once. They told me with Faye Dunaway and. Uh, his, his balls were hanging out and she like left I mean, people don't really want to see that I took him he was mad he wouldn't go to the Palm restaurant once and I was taking him and his wife Joan for dinner there he wouldn't go for 10 years because they had given him a big claw and a little claw and he thought he got fucked by the palm. Oh my god! Because he wanted, he, they thought he took, he thought they took a claw from another lobster. So I said, I'll take care of it. We'll go to the palm. And I told them the experience. All the people at the palm all knew because it'd been ten years since Rodney came back, and they gave him the largest lobster with the largest claws that exist, <laughs> and he ate them like a like a Viking. And then he always went there every week until he died, I think, from eating there. What did you guys talk about when you hang out with him? A lot about comedy, a lot of persecution because that's how he looked at it. So he all. In a way, he played upon my weaker 
parts of myself. He would talk about, because my comedy came out of, my opening lines were, besides I never got to go to camp, it was, I have no act and I have no life and I live in a moped. It was just esoteric. And that was the, I was 17 when I wrote, or 16 when I wrote, wrote the first 10 minutes and I did them for 10 years because that's, you know, the first 10 minutes is like, sometimes it's all anybody ever has. But then I started to be a guitar act. It was pretty wild and, and, and pathetic. But it, <laughs> But I'm glad I went through all that. I wouldn't change anything except, you know, a couple of things, a couple a extra few inches. <laughs> he didn't, Ronnie didn't really hit until he was in his 50s. 50s. Um, I think Jackie Caddyshack Roy. was 54. He was 54 years old, I think. He was Jack Roy, and uh, he was also Jake Cohen. He was Jacob Cohen. I officiated his funeral, which was a hardcore thing thing. Oh, wow. It was a three-hour service, and his, his it was pretty intense. It was, uh, it was Paul Bears, where his son, Brian, and Rob Schneider, and Adam Sandler, and Jim Carrey, and uh, it was pretty, um, it's nice. It sounds like a name. movie. You've just well, described a it's film. It's nice to name drop about someone's death, <laughs> and that's, by the way, what he wanted. Um, he really lived through show business and through comedy. Comedy was his whole thing. That's what we would talk about. And as I got older and went to therapy and worked on myself, I wanted to not have... I wanted that to be one of my, you know, six plates that I twirled. Jeez. I wanted to have a life and I wanted to have a good relationship. Well, maybe the next one. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's, it's good to... a quiet month. Do you think it's good to succeed young or to succeed older? Well, the philosophers that you sit and read, if you look up, you know, Brandy quotes, or you go on, uh, you know, uh, Bartlett's quotations was book form, which was the best of Aesop, which I don't think, I think it's Aesop now because we move so quick. Yep. Aesop, I don't think existed. I think he was just like the B-sides of Jesus, you know, because oh, <laughs> we don't even know. I, I look up things on Aesop, Aesop rocks. It's all just, you know, about being real and being truthful. There's no way one guy, and then he did Aesop's Fables, which is children's kind of philosophy. Sure. But um, I, the way I look at life, what was the question? It was, do you want, would, would, is it better to succeed younger or like, like I, in, in Rodney's case? Well, like, I, I would ask you the same question because you and I have known each other a long time. Yeah. And I continue to know you and will continue to, I mean, we don't, we haven't hung out and I, I've wanted to. I, I, you know, it's almost a man crush that I have on someone that I just care about. I think you need to escalate. And I think, I mean, I also, I'm living that way. I don't even think I've begun anything yet. I haven't, in my mind, uh, creatively come here what I've come here to do, which is I'd like you to drop your pants. Oh, shit. That's what I came here. Right. No, don't that's shit. Right. I don't like shit. Why? So, no, no, no shit. Well, Just that's part of pants. it. Oh, crap. It's a package okay. deal. All right. <laughs> Let me put on the uh, Gallagher rain hat. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, they do say don't, the really smart people that I've read, not myself, uh, say that you should, if you peak young, it's a it's a sad thing for your life unless you can continue to out Mozart yourself. But sure. a lot of people that have a, a lot of greatness happen when they're Orson Wellesish in our business, uh, you know, to gain four hundred pounds and and die on an island beating a hooker. So, you know, and I don't he didn't do that, but you know, there's other people that have. I, I prefer to, uh, I just got to do more cardio, and I've got a lot to do. <laughs> what do you want to do? Do you want to do more stand-up, really or do you want to do Rick Lehman into my home? Okay. No, I want to, <laughs> I, I um, stand-up is something that I always, directing's my favorite thing, it's the thing I love the most, and I'm, you know, I'm working on a couple things, which are stupid to talk about, because I don't believe in talking about anything until it's into so somewhere, until sure. it's released somewhere. Yeah. 
I don't talk about my semen until it's released. Why? And I, you know, a quick release is great because then, and virally, you're able to. Uh, you're able to get you it can't out take there. antibiotics. No, because viral can be a, a wart on the anal. There's no keep going, keep going. Anal. And then, <laughs> that, that's basically you can't then, go. That's and then it. my mother kissed me. That's it. <laughs> oh, okay, then you got to go the opposite direction. She would not be ignored. <laughs> when you wake up and you're and your mother's in the kitchen cooking a rabbit, you know that's a nobody would know fatal attraction. That's sure, a, they that's would. Nerdist people fatal still culture still still part of the still part of the culture. Glenn, don't stand so close to me. <laughs> there's no one else has cooked a rabbit in a movie, so they know exactly Never. what you're talking about. Never, and there's a reason for that. Now you can braise them. You can butterfly them, you can saute them. You At can, the time, we just had boiling. That's uh, well. That's what the rep, what was the representation in that movie? It was kind of an abortion kind of thing, wasn't it? My stomach um, just growled so loud on the word abortion. So. Was that your? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll t- my stomach is my my Paul Schaefer right now. Do you know why my stomach did that? I'm going to tell you honestly. What? I just had an abortion. Oh, are you? You look good I'm though. I'm fine. I, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. The, it, it hurts a little bit. It's I went weird. to Unplanned Parenthood this morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and um, they gave me some fries and a lid with it. Because I always feel like t- I I believe the tummies hate. Uh, well, the you hungry. Well, yeah, they they hate silence. I, Whenever I there's a you silence, saying the word pause just now, <sighs> I jumped your 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 uh, tummy shark. That's all right. The worst thing is this is the worst. If you're on a meeting or you're recording, and you I know you've gone through this where you haven't eaten, and so your stomach's growling like I'm hungry. Yeah. So it growls. The worst is if you've just eaten and then you're in a room and it's a fart going inside your stomach because you don't want to fart. No. On recording or around. Growling people. okay. Internal farting is not okay. But that's what growling is sometimes. There's the two. Oh, that was my. Uh... Sorry, dinger. That was Mario. You have a uh, you have a some kind of stun thing on your penis. Yeah. I just had an app that I needed to load a credit card on, and it scanned my credit card. Isn't I, that cool? I never saw that before. Yeah. I can't wait till people just lift all my shit and try. Yeah. To steal. Now just digitally. Now they don't even have to be in the same country as you. I someone uh, got my credit card information, and a travel agency called to verify it, and they said this seemed really weird. And this guy had been buying all these tickets within Asia, and uh, <laughs> and so they gave me his email address. It wasn't the Gangnam Style guy, was it? was it? not Psy. Uh, I thought I saw him last night. Really? Yeah. The glasses and red pants. I went, it's got to be. It's got to be Psy. Best song ever. Well, he, uh, this guy I went to, he has a, had a Facebook page, and I just saw the guy who'd, who'd stolen my credit card number. It was like... What an age we live in. And I still wanted to put on his wall, like, I know what you did, but I didn't. I left him. I left him. You should call him out. I mean, you can't, you can't, you could report for abuse. The guy stole my credit card. You can't, though, because it's international. I talked to their credit card company and they're like, well, unless it's domestic, there's really nothing we can do. So they just, you know, I had to get a new credit card number. Did you have one now? I have it now. Could you say what it is? Sure. Just four, six, eight, four. <laughs> so my answer to your thing, which you'd make possibly a great edit point for you, yes, is I think we need to grow as an artist um, forever, forever. And if you peak when you're uh, 24, if you're Mark Zuckerberg at 30, great for you, fucking perfect. And sure. then do what you want with your life, help people, or don't, or go enjoy your life too. I mean, I have this theory going on when I've, I've talked to a lot of friends because I'm. I'm a, a bit um, single at the moment, so I've kind of gone to a lot of man friends, you know, to, to have sex and touch their penises, sure, things sure, like sure. that. Yeah. But I've been talking Dude about stuff. when does things that guys do. Uh, but but <laughs> sorry, I had four responses. It was all like online, bus. <laughs> it just know. they all bottleneck it's right. Like in your uh, what's that? 
it doesn't matter. I won't. But it, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna say, when do all cylinders fire at once? When does your career, relationship, your kids, the health, money? When do all those things have to do? All of those things have to fire simultaneously, and that's a philosophical quest. And I don't think it does happen. I don't know. And if it does, you should fucking freeze it and be really happy that you are healthy. People you love are healthy. It just doesn't happen. I, I mean, did meet a guy that I think it happens for, and I think it's Dave Grohl. I, talk, I love. I talked about uh, this him with. A lot. We talked about this with Marin. And uh, I think I think Dave Marin Grohl, definitely doesn't feel that way. <laughs> he does not feel that way. But I think Grohl, I really think he's one of those guys. Like he's got the career, he's got the kid, he's but got the wife. It's double got, triple career. I mean, he's like he's seem and he seems super happy. My dad always believed, but my dad your was, dad super cool. He is super cool, but he also uh, I think he told this story when I had him on the podcast. But he said uh, you know there was this one bowler that uh, he always looked up to and um, he idolized and. Um, you know, my dad <laughs> was having relationship troubles with his first marriage, I guess. Well, I know why, marriage. by the way. I, I've always wanted to say this to you. Do you know why your dad had relationship troubles with his first marriage? Why? Because the only way he wanted to have sex was by using putting three fingers, three fingers in, in her. Yeah. You said that a lot? No, well, I said it... Uh, well, I feel like I did. Oh yeah, I did. I did say. Did he have a ball? A ball did he have a fan that he could put his balls on? He did have a fan he could put his balls on. I did have a joke where it was like, and because of the three fingers, but I can't remember what the joke was now. God damn it! <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I no, that's okay. But no, I appreciate belief. that. Listen, always feel free to cut me off with a good fingering joke. I'm way on board. I don't care. My dad, uh, my so my dad and this guy are driving somewhere. And uh, my dad's crying and has, has had his heart broken and it's horrible, you know. And this guy said, you know, you, you either have career or relationship. One's going to suffer. And then my dad said, of course, what I didn't know at the time is that he was fucking my wife. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit, what a horrible guy. So it's sort of like, does that taint the advice? Taint is it's not fish nor fowl. It's not, it's not advice. It's basically an admission. It's a horrible. That ain't no friend. No. And you never spoke to him again. No, no, they did. What? I mean, you know, my dad idolized the guy. It's like, he got over. Was he it. another bowler? Yeah. Yeah. Bowler and a baller. Yeah, he a was. Pusher and a dealer. Yeah. Did that guy wind up with that woman? I don't think so. So he was a catalyst for just being wrong. I mean, he was it, cheating is not good. Uh, isn't, period. Isn't, period. Actually, cheating works during period because you can't get someone pregnant during. That. No, so it's fine. That's. Fine. I think that's a cheating period. Yeah, I call that. It's a separate thing. We call it the red zone, and you can park in it. It's fine. No, that I period. put yellow tape over it. But isn't the because uh, so because I like yellow and red together. It's pretty. Yeah, I'm into palettes. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah. as long as they're complimentary palettes. I, and I like to be spanked on my buttocks with palettes. <laughs> Full Those palettes. Pedals. My dad, I, I, that advice... Thank you for talking. Justification advice, where someone's trying to justify their own behavior by giving sideways advice to someone else. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. Oh, it's fucking One terrible. of the most fucked up things it's you a, could do. It's a two-shot in a really vibrant, independent I hope zone. that's not true. I don't think it's true. I mean, I do, I do think... What, that, what, you don't think what's true? That, that, you, can, that you can't have both. I mean, or, I, or everything. I, but I'm talking about you know health, money... Relationship is kind of what everybody wants first, but children trumps everything if you have kids. And that's conflicting for people that want the relationship to come first. Because sure. I'm, I'm divorced and I, I, I'm very much a romantic and I want to have a great relationship. But that does diminish a little bit of another kind of love, oh which is God. child love. You reminded me that you just you would just uh, kind of split up with Sherry when you and I first became friends. Who's that? 
It's this woman that you were married to. She, she gave got birth her name to in the settlement. Years. I can't use it anymore. Oh shit! Yeah, we we have become friends to raise our kids, and uh, and you know, I met her in high school, and uh, she was six, and I was seventeen. Yeah, it was okay with him. Yeah, I was crossing guard. She seemed nice. <laughs> um, she didn't want to walk back into the woods alone. Smart girl. <laughs> it's the opposite of that joke where the guy says you're, you're going to be very lonely. It's going to be very lonely. It's going to be hard to walk back alone. Yeah, these are bad jokes. But it was sort of. But I. But the I, worst joke is to get the cum stains out of the clown suit. That's yeah, the that's, worst joke. I wouldn't tell that joke. No, no, you should never tell no, that you joke. Just do the punchlines of them, and no one gets hurt. Then it's fine. And then just and they could mean anything. It could just be prison. That jokes. could mean anything. One of us going to be the husband. One of us going to be the wife. <laughs> but I remember when I met you at this at the rap party. We were in a pool hall in Santa Monica, like a snazzy pool hall with my nephew Adam. With Adam. <laughs> and uh, who's a character? Who's great? I still we I, we he still we still email back and forth every once in a while. And Adam is just very unassuming, sweet guy. And we were all playing pool, and, she, and of course I knew who you were. And I'm like, oh my god! And I was such a huge fan of your had been a huge fan of your stand up. And then complimented. I was a fan of yours from single. Dance. Yes, uh, you're, you're still wrong to not know how great that was. And I complimented you in a you know a, a, a oozy gushy man way then and you were blue because the show had been canceled and I didn't know it had been canceled that was our, that was our series rap party right. but you but this goes back to the dealing with death and probably the book that you're writing and everything and I just there was something so comfortable about the way and some people might be like how could he say this but it just it was your own personal family vernacular but we're playing pool and you go I'm Bob that's my that's my nephew Adam his mom's dead and then Adam was like yeah <laughs> it was just yeah it didn't end well for her cause you obviously I set the tone you obviously adored your sister you made a movie Loved about you. her I did and so it it didn't feel like it was from a mean place it was just from like this is a thing that happened she's dead yeah yeah and and, and it, it was a horrible horrible death and some people that have lost somebody whether it be a quick death <clears throat> Excuse me, I had a lot of hair and semen in my throat. Um, well, the cab, I didn't have any cash. Do you want some Drano? That'll clean that up. I still want that. Yeah. I'm going to shoot it up my rectum. Oh, you're going to go, uh, yeah, the bottom oh, to top. Yeah, I'm going to go VIP. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's, that's ATM. That's you ATM. Go, it, yeah. Shoot it up there. That's VIP ATM. You actually need nitrous uh, to push it up. You need a little shot from like the, the gun at the bar. I think that's AFV. Oh, that's so much fun. That's, a, that's my show. That wasn't mine. Right. Yeah. That's how we started. What a great edit point for you. I got 42 minutes. <laughs> so oh, we're here with Fox. <laughs> my God. AFHV. There's no cure for that. Oh, but I don't know that. I don't remember that show. Um, what I was... Uh, what's the good thing we were just talking Your about? Your sister. Oh, she's dead. I know. <laughs> she died of scleroderma. And, um, Which is... I From just being friends with you and going to the benefits and... You know, remembering your friend Sharon Monsky. It was she just was such, like, so amazing. I'm on the board of that Scleroderma Research Foundation. Probably. SRFcure.org. I, I, I think. It won't totally cure it, but it'll help. Could be one of the worst ways someone can die. It's one of them. It's, um, it's you're pretty skin, bad. I mean, having. Your skin you're basically. You're standing in front of a jet engine having your head blown off. It's, that would be. Well, that'd be quick, at least. Yeah, it depends on what airline. Some of them don't work. No, as well. they could be on strike. Yeah, that'd be horrible. But the scleroderma is basically you just har- slowly harden. Yes, you can. Which I'm doing right now, just seeing you. <laughs> God damn it! Scleroderma uh, means hard skin. It's Latin, and it can, it can be internal, like it was with my sister, or it can just be on your skin. It can be 
diffuse or systemic. And uh, diffuse, this is really fun for your listeners. I, it's it's interesting to hear. And the decay is so much fun. So we have benefits. Um, it's it, it's a really scary disease, and we're actually making a lot of progress. I'm on the board of the Discordable Research Foundation, and uh, April 30th was, is our benefit at the Beverly Wilshire in L.A., Comedians do it. Would you do it sometime? Yeah, if I'm, I'll, I won't be in town on the thirtieth. Oh no, I, no, I didn't mean this. Tomorrow. Oh, okay. And right. this might be after the thirtieth, right? This will be after the thirtieth, probably. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, um, it was good. We had uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, and Jeff Ross and Jeff Garland and uh, Bill Bellamy and a lot of people. And I just try to try to raise money because there's a lot of people that are their skin hardens. Sometimes it's just um, like Raynaud's arthritis, mm-hmm. and then other times it goes internal. And my sister. She was diagnosed, and they really didn't know anything 14 years ago or 18 years ago. I can't remember now. And about three years, she was she came to one benefit, and then two years later, she passed away. So um, I made that ABC television movie mm-hmm. about her called For Hope. And uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting, passionate cause. That I did it because of this woman, Sharon Monsky, who was so cool that you met. Yeah. Um, so I'll be doing that the rest of my life. And then I lost another sister to a brain aneurysm who had a lot of other problems. So it's been, a, there's a lot of things I'd like to help. Your mom is an amazing person, She's by the way. She's a great man. Who has lost so many... She's losing children right now. <laughs> wow. Well, she's 88. Right. So the eggs just don't work. No, So I didn't mean well. that in a painful no, way. No, 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 no. I'm saying her fine. eggs don't take. Yeah. Right. They, well, you, they might. Well, she, you know, as people get older, and I don't want to talk about my mom in any nasty sense, because sure. I love my mom. Yeah. I used to say, and you can and you too. And you can too, for 12 days. I remember that joke. I remember thing. that joke. Wow. Uh, but my dad was the one that sanctioned all these jokes. Your dad, oh my God, he was so fucking funny. Thank you. Ben Saget. He was really, really funny. I went to his funeral. It was a hell of a funeral, wasn't it? It was a, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And, and you... I was glad you were there. It was, it was nice. I mean, it, and we laughed. We laughed like you would for a great man. There was laughing and there was crying, and you you told this wonderful story about how you. I'll cut this out if you don't want me to leave it in. But no, you, I'd like you to. You told this wonderful story about how, when you got to the where the service was, you were just alone in the room with his coffin, and then you yeah. just got to put your hand on it and say goodbye to him, and and there you were sad and crying, and then you came out and and were hilarious. And sad but funny, and it was. It it's was... interesting what comedy does, and I'm processing it a lot because I, I am a stand-up, and I, it's one of the things I do, and I'll always be one. And I didn't know that ten years ago. I didn't think I'd always be a stand-up. I thought I would, you know, Steve Martin, for all intents and purposes, quit doing stand-up. But oh yeah, but he hasn't really. I mean, I heard he did stand-up a couple of weeks ago in an event that wasn't televised. It was in a private award ceremony, and he did it for like ten minutes, and it was astonishingly great oh, because sure. he's been out touring with his band and then he talked he's, I heard them speaking about this on David Steinberg's comedy show that he uh, hosting show that he has on Showtime and Steve Martin was saying that you know he gets to do one minute with the band and he'll talk and then he accumulates that one minute so over a couple of years he's probably got about ten minutes now so he's he's still always one of the greatest stand-ups that's ever done it sure. for me but I find that stand-up is exactly what is healthy for me just because of who I am to do it, especially during hard times. Um, relationship stuff, when I've had problems in that, stand-up is a, it's a relationship. And you're, you, you're doing it. I didn't know that you would always want to do it. Oh, I've always, I never wanted to stop doing stand-up. I always wanted to do it. Well, when I, 
when I first met you, I was just starting to do stand up. So like '98, that was really the How year. How old were you then? Um, twenty-seven. Yeah, it was like that's late. Twenty-six, twenty-seven. Late to start stand up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now it's been. Well, you look at uh, Joel McHale. I mean, he he didn't do stand up. He was acting and stuff. Yeah, but I don't think Joel really wants to continue to do. I mean, like I know, I think he did it for a while and did a great job. You know, he Joel was one of those cases. When I first met him, it was before the soup, and he was doing this sort of you know small room in Santa Monica. I mean, at O'Brien's. So it used to be that oh, show yeah. at O'Brien's, and Joel would pop up there, and he was really funny. His background was more sketch, right? And then he got the soup, and then after a few years. They were like, well, let's see if Joel can draw a crowd. So Joel and KP Anderson and I would go do these shows, and Joel would host because he didn't have any material yet. And KP Anderson and I would do these feature sets, and then Joel was... I mean, we weren't drawing the crowds. Joel was. And so the crowds were a little disappointed, like, oh, these other guys are fine, but we really came to see Joel. So Joel had to cobble together this hour in... My God, like a few months, which right. you know is fucking we're, we're, almost I, I impossible. Just, I just went through it. It was like four years to come up with an hour that oh. is now. A, and you did your special. I did my special last year. Yeah, so now I'm doing the new. I'm building the new hour now. But it's a lot of fucking work. It's so much fun, though. It's it's amazing to have something new when you're excited. It's, they always say everybody says you know do new stuff every night. You know yeah, and do it early, right? And and when you do it, then you can really have fun. And then I don't like to resort. I always try to weave the old stuff new because that's what makes it alive. Because yeah. I can't just do rote. Some right. People can you don't do rote? No, I can't because I. I You're conversational. I have to talk to the crowd a lot. Yeah. It's just I feel better talking to the crowd. I well, get... it's the reality of that situation. Yeah. You're in front of people. And then also, <laughs> I find that some people do come to multiple shows, and so I feel good knowing that. The core jokes might be the same, but the show itself is different every time, right. which is fun. And I love it that way, and that's what I do. The, the special I just did, not that I'm going to plug it, May 10th on Showtime. <laughs> I did two shows. We cut them together, and I was hesitant to do what I do, which is audience play and weave people into that hour. And I did it because I had a design behind it. I was you know, producing it and making it the way I knew I wanted to do it and covered the shit out of it. And with your Comedy Central, your last special, did you do a lot of audience play? And no, play not at all, actually, because I, I, my fear, it's I, it's hard enough to shoot comedy anyway, because it really is a an experience, I, which is funny. And I apologize for, to, for not watching it. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to watch it. Please. Actually, I'm going to watch it right now. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it, it, it basically, it's hard enough to shoot stand-up, I think, because it's such a, an intimate like you kind of had to be there experience so it's hard enough to capture it which is funny to me because I lived on stand up in the 80s just watching every right. special and so I think it's harder beyond that I feel like it's it's harder to really capture if you're fucking with people in the audience because the audience at home is separated from that and it's almost like they're on the outside looking in and, I, and so I didn't I didn't tr- I didn't do that but that doesn't mean that it can't work it was work. hard and it, I feel that it worked really well and again, I, I shot, you know, two shows to make one show, and I made I didn't want to separate those moments because that's really important to use your if you're going to do audience play, you know, I, I would I have I have so many influences because I'd be influenced by long storytellers or I'd be influenced by short joke people or Don Rickles is a giant influence sure. and a friend 
and and Rodney was an influence. Richard Pryor was it my one of my main influences. So that's they're completely different styles. And I respect and love the Jim Gaffigan's, Seinfeld's, Brian Regan's that will do. Well, Brian Regan is, is is volume us to a point that's. It. I mean, it's crazy. Brian Brian it's Regan's ours. Brian Regan's a goddamn. A, he's an anomaly. It's like a very Regan. high channel that he's on. It's very amazing. It's another separate hour, a separate show. You watch the second show and you won't see the same hour if he so chooses, or hour and a half, or whatever. Yeah. You know. But but I respect so much someone that doesn't do a discourse. I enjoy. Jerry Seinfeld's monologue for an hour that doesn't you know his his idea is it is a discourse it is a conversation they're just they're just not going to talk right <laughs> but but I enjoy the play back and forth because I look at it as every show for me is a town meeting every show for me is is an experience with those people and then I remember them then it's not like remember when you played Utica and I'm like oh, oh you, yeah I do remember that was Jimbo was in the audience right, right. so those are the things that make it special for me because I'm with the other People and I'm a, I'm like you, and that was our appeal to each other. You're a person performer because you're a person person. If someone speaks to you, you speak to them unless you really don't want to, unless they're invading your space or they prove themselves. Well, you can't help it, and it also feels like you're not in an organic situation if something happens and you don't address it or you don't involve it in some way. Right. And then it's you're, almost you're like you're not, yeah, you're not paying attention to the shared experience that you're and having. And if you're doing a television special and you hear a loud crane and it sounds like a fart. You've got you to got, say something. You have, but you have the other choice is we'll take it out and post. But I think you lose, and you can take it out and post, but you lose the live moment. And I left shit like that in. I had like nine, ten cameras and they go and they paint box some of them out sometimes. They take out the jib in a shot because that's what they can do now. Yeah. And, and other times I used the, the camera people. So I kind of had a weird blend of three kinds. And I did half an hour of music in this special. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, it's, I did, it, it's too, it becomes a different special. It's a half an hour of stand-up and a half an hour or 55. So it's 25 of music. Five original songs that are uh, offensive, pretty offensive. And one of them is a love song, which is... Uh, Kind of sad. You had the you, you went you went through something that, uh, and whenever I saw it happen, I'd be like, "Oh fuck, that's really fucked up." And then it's something that later on people would say to me, which is, uh, I remember like hanging out with you at the Laugh Factory in our first time with stand up, and you would do a set, and you'd crush, and then afterwards someone would come up and think they were complimenting you by saying, "I never thought you were funny, but you were really great tonight." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Thanks. There's, and people, I've had people say the same thing to me. Too. It is a universal thing, and I see really. I used to see it with Richard Pryor a lot. He's like, I don't, I don't know. You compliment me? What, what, <laughs> what the fuck is that? And sometimes he would be quiet. Sometimes he would be like, you know, getting get in your face, you know, because he was like, well, what, what, you know, it depends on where his timing was in his offstage problem. Rodney was insulted. It's interesting to watch different people. Don Rickles is a funny person to say that to. You know, I watched your your show on. I watched your your, your movie that you made on HBO. That's it. I won two Emmys award. I mean, he just, just screams him. Right? Your brother fat too? You know, just just. Well, but it is weird. People don't know what to say, and they really want to compliment you. And, right. And comedians are kind of we're outsiders, and any anybody creative. Um, pretty much an outsider and then the joy of it all is to get collaborative and to work yeah. with people and then that's growth where you're not just on the outside looking at everyone as because people 
some people say people don't mean well. I would still like to think that they do mean well, sure. especially in the world that that's listening to this. These people that you're we're talking to love you, and they know you, or they think they know you. A lot of them do, but maybe. right. And other ones you just want to <laughs> put up barricades. Other people like they get so mad. You're like, why do you listen to this show if you hate me? Uh, that is true. It's people, kind of funny. And it's weird when I I'll go on my Twitter or on Facebook. I don't really play, but. I'll, I'll Twitter or Instagram and I'll, I'll see people say something so douchey to me and then it's like you know I love blocking somebody because I don't I don't do it a lot but if someone's just abusing me it's like this is my junior high payback what I couldn't block anybody do you, are you a blocker do you block you just not like anymore everyone, everyone I was in? I used to love the block feature and then after a while like the the less I gave a shit, I was like, eh, why give them the, even the satisfaction of knowing that I got to, I blocked them? So I just and you gain followers because they've anymore. got forty bitter friends that will attack <laughs> you with them. This guy sucks. Yeah, fuck you. you of their this. forty followers, like twenty of them are probably spam bots, and four, t- seven of them are family members, and then the rest are, you know, I don't How know. Is a spam bot. That's just a, a hard drive that just sends shit out. It's nothing. It's just a little thing that someone tweaked. It's just a setting someone did to be douchey? Eh, well, it's, you know... If it's, it's negative stuff. Well, a spam bot can be basically like a company or a... Um, or like a something that's just sort of trawling the tweets for keywords that pop up. All your listeners are bored right now because they all know this answer, right? <laughs> I'm just some guy. Spam bot is a robot that gives you spam. It's a great term, by the way. Spam bot's a really great term. Looking for a sperm butt. A sperm a sperm bot would be great. A sperm bot, just it's the size of R two D two. It's a, it's a fertility it's got, robot. It's got rubber mouth. It's a fertility that, robot. If you cannot, it. if you cannot get your wife pregnant, a sperm bot comes in. It's and refrigerated. Then you don't have it, to feel threatened. You don't have to feel threatened. You, you basically you're you're it's a jackbot. You're yeah. You've hit the jackbot. You've hit the jackbot. You jack you hit the baby jackbot. Bot and yeah. then it, it spins it. Yeah. And it refrigerates it. There, and then a little a little thing comes out and it goes into the woman. You and you wouldn't so feel need in vitro fertilization machine. In vitro fertilization machine. And you have it at home. Yeah. Like sharper image used to be. We're doing comedy, but this <laughs> sharper, sharper used image. To be. It used to be, and it looks like R two D two, but it's got a wig on it and lipstick. So it you're fi- be, it's like Honey Boo Boo kind of. It could be. Any- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really a problem. I just did. But, it could be. But then it, could it, be, it deposits it, could look like it. Anything. You can make quintuplets. You yes. can set the settings. But that's what I'm saying is, you know, because if you can't get your wife pregnant, you don't want another guy coming in and fucking your wife. But if it's, a, if it's a machine. It's fine, and you it's could maybe fine. get a caddy with it, yes. and it has little drinks and a shaker. Yeah, that's right. Maybe Play there's music. A, maybe there's an Xbox on the back of on its back, so you could just play Xbox while it impregnates your wife. <laughs> it sounds like something that would have been in um, Woody Allen's movie uh, Sleeper. Sleeper. It sounds like it would have been in that. In if one it of those was, things, yeah. or everything I was wanting to talk about sex, the whole sperm loaded up. Men. It's about time for him to do another future comedy. I think. I think maybe he'd kind of like do a it. Combo of the Zucker brothers, Farrelly <laughs> brothers mold. Was it weird? Did it feel weird? Because you're, do you feel like the, um, you know, Full House and Funny as Home videos, do you feel like they were congruent with your comedy voice? Or did you feel like, well, this isn't really my voice, but it's good work, so I'm going to do it. It's part of my voice. It was part of my voice, and it's still part of my voice. It's it's interesting, because I know so many people that went, fuck that, I was on that show, that's bullshit. And they're just, that's a shame. That's a shame that they look at that part of their life and regret it. Um, there were times and you knew me when I was just coming off those shows that I was frustrated because I was going I'm so I'm so funny why can't we do this why do I have to play the straight guy you know in a, in a house with two men <laughs> but I was 
you know, and I was doing a blooper show, and it was the beginning of YouTube, and it's like there's only there's only three ways to host a clip show. Yeah. If you're on commercial television at seven at night on Sundays. On Sundays. On Sundays. So I'm six mountain. You know, it's just. There's no way to talk to a family. If I've got a, if I'm doing stand up, like I'll I'll go out and talk to people, and there's a guy with his seven year old daughter standing there, and he'll talk to me about you know aristocrats or entourage. Yeah, the aristocrats. And they don't you fuck my daughter? And and his daughter's right there. Right. And I'm a dad, and I don't. I I believe that this is for you know really 15 and up. If I'm gonna give it an age, but 18 and up is just fine. 21's legal in a drinking club or theater, but. Don't do it in front of a six, seven-year-old. Everybody's yeah, yeah, fucked yeah. up enough, and they're all, you know, I, if you watch South Park and Family Guy, you could almost masturbate, you know? Well, not almost. <laughs> Red Racket? Definitely. <laughs> I, I always uh, have an orgasm when they kill Kenny. Every time now. Oh, my God. You I, After I'm finished, I always go, you bastard. <laughs> but but I, I loved things about that, and I'm I love the people that I worked with on the damn thing and then the video show was in a weird nice thing but definitely comedically hey I, I, I didn't have a job I just had a baby I got fired from a show in New York I was offered a sitcom by the people Miller Boyette that did um, you know Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Minnie and Happy Days and I was the Richie Cunningham part on a show, and John Stamos was Fonzie, and Dave was Ralph and Potsy having a child. Oh my God, I never thought of it that and way. Michelle was Tom Bosley, I guess. But, <laughs> and then I went and did the video show, which was, I guess it, it was a candid camera, and then there was Dick Clark and Ed McMahon, bloopers and practical jokes. And it was a successful format to do a clip show, and I took a job on a pilot, and then it beat a 60 Minutes rerun, and then I took the job. And you've hosted a lot of stuff. Oh my God, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you play the cards you're dealt. Um, and um, I, one of the first things I did was a Richard Pryor movie before anything happened was Critical Condition that was where after eight years of hosting at the comedy store I got a Richard Pryor movie after a bunch of other little things that happened for years what was and it years. like just watching him work out material on stage he was uh, it was pretty beautiful and I I you know post fire was most of my experience with him where I got closer with him because I really need to person that uh, iconic I, they really need to be beaten down for them to like me <laughs> but I got to you know and I got to hang out with him for like a month doing this movie in North Carolina and I also would have hosted the comedy store forever so I would bring Richard up and just watch him you know standing ovation of just there's a prophet on stage and he would take risks of doing material that he just wanted to work out and he went up there and, and took the bullet of the pain of what it's like to try to work on new stuff um, and it was uh, it was just trying to talk from his gut and he was a complex person obviously because there was a Barbara Walters thing where she interviewed him over the years and then she kept running different clips and he was lying he just kept every every time she showed a clip he lied about the one before are you oh, are wow. you still using he's like no I'm not and then he came back and he said yeah so I was lying oh my god <laughs> and then I watched one of the coolest things I ever saw which was a, kind of a Beatles-ish moment was Eddie Murphy working out raw because I was hosting in the main room of the comedy store. So Eddie Murphy comes in, and he does a, a Friday night, and I'm the host, and he does about an hour. And, he, you know, he gets out on stage, and it's uh, screaming and yelling and sure. everything. And then when he finished, he, he didn't get the, the huge response that he got at the front because he was working it out, and it was a workshop moment. So the laughs were in and out, and he was trying to work on it, and it was... Um, 
a week later he comes in and he knew he's Eddie Murphy, so he knew exactly what he had done the week before, and I don't know where he had gone during that week to work at anywhere else. Maybe the improv, maybe somewhere else. I have a feeling, I mean, I don't know. My guess is he didn't work it out much that week for one week and then worked it out the following Friday, and the walls came down. He basically did Raw on stage, and it was uh, a long-ass set, and it was just fucking ridiculous and he also changed his clothes he was he was in a red leather suit or something or whatever he he assumed every bit of character and every beat of how much confidence and ego and intelligence of what you're going to do and how fucking funny you know you are is yeah. how he approached it like a gladiator which is a those are moments I would never trade that I got to witness because that helped build me into the, some you know some guy that looks like a yuppie that comes out and acts like a badass. <laughs> it's a character in a way. Well, was that was that fun for you to then go do Entourage and like was that sort of an ability for you to go, hey, I'm fucking human and I have I'm a fucked up guy and I can fu- yeah. make you know disgu- and the aristocrats and those were too. Accidents. Those were both accidents. Those were. It's funny because I'm I'm. That's what I haven't done in my career yet is to take that by the that character not that char- something with dimension because uh, the entourage character is a two dimensional character with yeah. bravado. Don't you fuck my daughters, you know? As as dramatic as the Full House character, which I well, to answer your question from before, um, not that anyone's listening now, <laughs> but yeah, I am a dad that cares, and I have a dustbuster, and I'll bring you water if you're thirsty. You know, I'm a caring person, and I won't curse in front of kids. Except my kids now. It's required. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they they're request old, yeah. it. But, but the the idea for me of doing something that is like, I mean, Aristocrats was a weird thing because Paul Provenza and Pendulette directed that. And they yeah. put that together because that was a not a good joke. But it was all the, most of, the worst of gallows humor. What's the worst thing that can happen to people? And that would be incest. And the premise of the aristocrats, and I didn't even want to do it. I, I was like, I, I don't know this joke. Dom Herrera told it to me once on the street in front of the improv. He said, oh, you're going to love this joke, Sag. It's perfect for you. Because I just had a dirty sense of humor. But I, I still don't want to see anything like that. I'll talk about diarrhea, but I don't want to see it. Right. I'll talk, I hate the thought. Talking about throw up, that actually gives me a gag reflex. If someone's throwing up in my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, so hot. But um, but aristocrats, um, you know, they they the premise of that joke is that a family is so desperate to get into show business, it would be like American Idol, and you that would be. I talked about this in my last special years ago, which was that they a family would come on like the Von Trapp family yeah. and do that for the judges. They would do the aristocrats, you know. If, then have and I don't even want to talk about it because it is people try to get me to do it in my stand up and it's not a joke that you should tell it's not a it's not a good joke it's a riffing moment that requires well, as George Carlin said a very private space well yes because you know people most people it'd be very hard to describe to most people the relationships that a lot of comics have to each other which is you know a lot because so much of comedy is like. Well, you're shocking people and you're surprising them and you're taking turns that they don't see. So comics say the filthiest, most offensive things to each other. Mm -hmm. Of course, not meaning it, but just as a way to, like, get a rise out of each other. And and so the Aristocrats is definitely a byproduct of that, of each person 
putting their super disgusting offensive stamp on it to try to surprise the comic that they're telling it to. To make them laugh. Cause but you could never tell that to just like a regular person. And, you shouldn't. And have them, and, and then not expect them to report you. Well, especially when they, the thing I never expected when I heard the joke in the movie was they always bring up a bucket. They always go in the bucket. And I'm like, why, why a bucket? And there was a lot of New York guys. They're going, and then they bring out a fucking bucket. I'm like, what, what is this with a bucket? It's a funny sounding word. Someone's, about someone's crap and then a bucket. <laughs> a, and it, it holds it, disgusting things. It goes things. to an outhouse mentality. Buckets. So then they're throwing buckets of crap. I'll tell you what it is. Like, buckets only hold disgusting things. Monty Python used it filmically beautifully. There was a lot of, you know, bring out your dead body, dung. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's the lowest of civilization. Buckets are A bucket, yeah. A bucket. And so, I actually had a gallows thing happen which I won't need to share now but that's where Paul Provenza knew me from uh, years ago we had a traumatic uh, thing happen with uh, a family member. So, he saw me then, and I used the, the sickest shit that I could use to get through a really bad time. So um, I didn't think that that movie was even going to ever come out, but they made a really interesting piece of a statement, an art statement out of it. Yeah, so. I saw it at Aspen one year when it was mm-hmm. when Aspen was still a thing. Yeah, the Aspen Comedy Festival was still a thing before they were like, it's too expensive to go to this weird, rich wonderland oasis in the mountains and do comedy. Well, Sundance is now, but they don't, they don't have stand up there. So, but I was I did Aspen once on an HBO thing to celebrate Rodney. There was a a roast of him, and I talked about his balls hanging out like <laughs> janitor's keys. But but the, but just back, I still have I would still do family um, stuff, not the aristocrats, but I would right. do. In my way of things I want to do in the next couple decades of work that I want to output, there's a, it's a nice thing to entertain families. As stupid and sick as that sounds coming out of my mouth, I, there's a different way to do different kinds of things. And it's weird to me because with my career, with a television career, you have a hit and then you, you don't for a while and then you want to have one again and then you do other things that hit and... But you look at someone like Robin Williams' career, and it's like, you know, one-hour photo, which hits or misses, and then, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, which is a movie that, you know, I remember during 9-11, Fox ran Mrs. Doubtfire because it was a perfect piece of programming to make you not watch the news and think of how horrible life is. Sure, sure. So I like that. I like easing people's pain. And sometimes a muscle I've used, which is a little easy is to just go to a dark place and to say terrible things about heinous crimes and and to use the the gallows humor and the foul stuff to make light of how fucking painful life because can it's be. horrible otherwise if it's, you if you look at it head on and face it to take it at face value it's fucking horrible you can fall apart you can have a, a breakdown you can cry it's why, all it's the why time. I think it's why we have humor is to take ownership over the tragedy and be like we can prevail a hundred percent it diffuses the pain it's during it's not something you do when someone's if you're at a you know a crime scene you don't stand there doing one liners right there's a head at your feet but well, you know but there is there are jokes of the aftermath I mean you know life is beautiful is a holocaust comedy yeah and it was kind of perfection to be able to do that and there are you know there's ways comedically to stress Louis CK is pretty eloquent at bringing up evil things that people do to each he's other he's unreal at it well, I he, mean, is, he is another level it's, it's another um, it's I mean the stuff that he talks about in any other, almost any other comic's hands, 
people would be like, what the fuck is wrong? There's a, there's a handful of comics that, that can do it. He's great at it. Bill Burr's great at it. He's amazing. Uh, Marin's great at it. I mean, like, just taking... They, they run it through their generator. Yeah. And, and they process it, and it makes it okay, because The presentation makes it okay, or something. Well, they're also, they're also not... They're owning it, and they're claiming responsibility for it, and it's their viewpoint, and they've already figured out what their viewpoint is of it. So, if you take offense to it, then you're not listening to what the action of it is. Right. The, the, the words aren't the action. It was interesting. I met Jerry Lewis a couple weeks ago because I uh, hosted the Jack Black Roast, which is untelevised, and it was at the New York Hilton. It was a bunch of people. And Jerry Lewis was there, and I was uh, pretty filthy. And, you know, that was my job. I, I said, this is the most offensive thing I said, actually. It got picked up and you know on the, on the news services. I said, uh, Jack Black, that's what Kim Kardashian does every night. <laughs> So that was the only. That was the first thing I thought of. That's offensive, you know. That would work for this kind of thing. And Jerry Lewis came up to me afterward, and everybody has different opinions of Jerry Lewis. You know, sure. uh, Sarah Silverman said something. You know, uh, just about they don't uh, they don't love you in France, right? Or you know, or I don't know. I don't remember what the joke was. Which is fucked up because she's amazing at great dark humor. Oh, she's, incredible! Yeah, she's perfected the Holocaust joke. There isn't anyone better. But Jerry grabbed me and tried to hunt me, actually. I'm not even kidding. I think my balls actually touched his, which is disgusting. What an honor. Oh. It wasn't bad. I think I was in him. But he <laughs> um, grabbed me and went, flagging. No, he actually held me and uh, said, you come from in here. Your words, you are a great person. Now, whether I bamboozled him or not, and he, who knows? He's just a total prick telling another total prick he's a good person. <laughs> but he, and my prick, our pricks were touching. But so that makes sense. It's an you electric were static thing. I wished he had an R2-D2 robot next to him so I could have in vitro fertilization one of his Listen, offspring. I think something people want to really envision right now is a pregnant Jerry Lewis. Oh my God. He <laughs> kind of looks like it depending on where the prednisone is. You don't know. He inflates on a given day depending on the pain. And you, you had this connection moment with Jerry Lewis. I did, and it was about him thinking that, and I took it as a very kind thing. And there were a couple of people around, Jack Black and Jeff Ross, friends of mine. Jeff's a, a sweet guy, and Sarah, and when when uh, and Richard Belzer, which is one of my first MCs in show business. Richard He's, Belzer, what a piece of work. He oh is. my God, I saw I met I met Richard Belzer at Jim Vallely's house once. Wow, those are two names dropping at the same time. Vallely is one of the funniest fucking people you could Just ever hang out with. Ask him. <laughs> he is an open throttle. Jim Vallely, <laughs> when I first met him, it was off-putting because I'm a kind of a, if I'm not on stage, I'm not in open mode. I'm yeah. not attacking. But he decided, you know, the Eddie Murphy mode of open the gasket. Yeah. His choke was open, and there was no combating him. And he, he sell, sell, sell. And things that weren't funny were funny. Yeah. He's yeah. a good writer. And Belzer, uh, so I got to meet Belzer at his place once, and he was, he was really cool. Was he animated for you? A little bit. Yeah, he was pretty laid back, though. He was actually, he was pretty laid back. He's a pretty interesting guy. He's watched a lot of shit. I want to ask you, uh, just talk for a few minutes about, because going back to we met at the single, the single Out series rap party, and then for five years, we're pretty hardcore drinking buddies. We were. Pretty hardcore drinking buddies. I, I am scared of how... <laughs> Hardcore drinking buddies we were, it was, and I was I was uh, divorced and 
I think I was I was single. You were single. You you had had a girlfriend here and there, but it never really lasted long. And I had one had, there. You had one relationship that was devastating. I said she was a doll, Chucky. <laughs> she was. You guys had the fight, 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 fuck, fight, 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 fuck. Like it was such a hardcore. It was, uh, Virginia Woolf. It was not um, relationship that thankfully and and you had this. I always you you had and you this, had a lovely person. Too. I had a girlfriend at the well. I had a and girlfriend. Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Jacinda at the time, up until around the year two thousand, uh, the Y two the Y two K bug white relationship. Y two K is they the girls take that they snort that they do that now. Yeah, they like it. But then you get it's AFV. like special K AFV is so much fun because I have that on my lawn when I have my Humvee. Yeah, but then it goes right up and then I was it's thinking the of drain a Jenny in a trailer. Is there an AFV? What are the ATVs? ATVs. Yeah. Oh, thank God there was something there. Yeah, you were close. There's one letter off. But, uh, back to our yeah. relationships. Or back to mine. But I remember, yeah, I remember Martin. you would go, uh, this is even up to a year after you guys broke up, you were like, and I won't say her name, but you would Please s- don't. You said, uh, wait, why did we break up again? We're like, well, because you guys couldn't stand each other. Yeah, but should we have broken up? Yes, of course. Fuck. Yeah. I'm almost at that place right now. No. Well, kind of, sort of, but not the same person. But you... Uh, I'm not thinking about her. <laughs> but we really... So I get uh, back with my ex-girlfriend yeah, from 20 years I ago. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, you know, she's matured. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, so we were we were really hardcore drinking buddies, and, you know, one of us would call the other at, like, 1 a.m., no matter what the night goes, where are you? All right, let's meet up. And we would go. I was living in Westwood, and we would go to the college bars and hang out, and... You know, uh, the following program has been interrupted. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm younger than you are, but I was still too old to be hanging out at, at UCLA. So I was Rasputin, is what you're saying. Well, we were. I we was were a Merlin. Pair. We I were. Had a, I had an owl on my shoulder. Well, and but and there it, were other people of note that we will not mention that, that would we hang know out too. That, and that's all wrong on every level. But everybody was legal. But the until but, they closed the place. <laughs> everyone was definitely legal. Everyone was legal. But it was just the idea that. They were still like, you know, 2021. 20, yeah. And I was, you know, 28, 29. And, you know, yeah, I was and, 60. So. <laughs> on the freeway. But you would go up. Uh, but, but It but, was like the Matrix. It was a slow motion. But people were like, dude, I just smoked weed with Bob Saget. Like, people would fucking go. I didn't even like weed. Was I smoking weed? Well, one night, yeah. Was that would chain him up? Was that chained chained from Jesus? There was one night. Listen, <laughs> we, this is our big story. You don't have to talk. You don't have. To, okay. You might want to turn this off. There were numerous stories. Oh, that this I one's a bad one. Well, I don't know if you. I know was looking you... through a porthole when I saw it. It was through the wall when the chained him up guy to the. Is that what you're telling? The chained guy with a piercing that had another guy. Oh yeah, well that was a different story. Oh, we go we go down to the basement of this bar and look through this window, and one of the waitresses <laughs> is making out with like five different guys. Was um, I there? You were there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so that was just one. Of, I mean, and the one guy had his shirt off, and uh, that I remember the chain chain the nipple, nipple down to uh, his ball. I really think. nice guy, big huge black guy, one of the bouncers, and uh, and so they were. All a chained, really nice guy, chained nipple to his testicle, I guess. It, there was a chain that was going we don't somewhere. Know where it, went. It, it wrapped somewhere else on his body. There was a piercing and then another piercing Maybe it and didn't they were go connected. Anywhere. Maybe just like he kept it inside it his hang- underpants. It was like a nipple chain wallet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and it so. It was retractable, I remember that. But I don't know if that was the same night where we. Um, <laughs> We were drunk and we. <laughs> this is By the way, I want to say something horrible, which is sure. we had some fun. Well, yes, of course we, we, we did, but it. I can't function. No. 
and you are, um, I still drink, but I can't be in a blur. I can't get anything done. And we were in a blur. We were in it was a, a blur. cold hearted It was horror. a blur. And we made. We were I, in an ooze of gelatin. We made out with these girls who were much younger than we were. And Wait, wait, wait. Let's do shots. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them got sick and started throwing up. And you immediately were holding her hair over a garbage can. And then I. <laughs> really? Yes. Jesus. And then you continued. <laughs> then you continued to. <laughs> With her after she no, I didn't. Don't tell the story. No, I didn't. I think you did. No, I didn't. I don't kiss throw up. <laughs> and I don't make out. I'm not a maker outer. And then and I no, I did. I kissed a girl and she threw up. And then and you liked it. But no, the but afterwards geez, this is a horrible story. And then so I and so I, this, this is not even possible. By the way, that girl now has three kids. It's and possible. She lives in Des Moines. It's possible. So the girl that I hooked up with was like 20 years old. And I really, it was my drunken state. I was like, mine was fifty, I believe. She was probably like fifty, or twenty-two. And so we, uh, and so I thought I had this connection with this girl, and I called her the next day and left her a message, and then she left me a message that fucking shattered me because I was twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and she looks and said, "Look, um, uh, we were supposed to go out that day. It was one of those things where we made out at a bar. I was like, let's hang out tomorrow." And so I left her a message, and she called me the next day, and she was like, "Look." you're too old for me. And that was the first time anyone ever wow. said that to me. And I was like, oh, I am. What am I doing? But we had some... And then the night where... I never hear that. The, na- <laughs> <laughs> the night where we were both trashed in front of the Palm and... Uh, Harry Dean Harry Stanton. Dean Stanton and, and Dabney I Coleman. I was just telling that story to people at the... No, it was Dan Tanis. Dan Tanis. It was Dan Tanis because I was in Dan Tanis and Dabney still goes there. And Dabney and Harry Dean Stanton still goes there, and they were out. Uh, they're not going to mind me tell the story, right? I don't think so. They were uh, smoking out by the Dabney power Coleman's line. Coleman's eighty-one years old. The fuck does he give a shit about? He, he doesn't really give it. He didn't give a shit then. He either. didn't give a shit. And funny, I, fucking talented guy. And Harry Dean Stanton, pretty amazing actor. Interesting. They're fascinating guys. They're fascinating. But it was just one of those weird moments where it's like. Is it, am this my life or am I drunk in an alley with Dar- Harry Dean Stanton and Dabney Coleman and they're trying to get us to go to an after hours they bar were, with them and I said no Did we, we, go? we followed them to one place and then the Harry Dean had like an assistant or something that was like HD wants he kept calling him HD HD I wants remember it. this this is really upsetting. and so we wait HD wants us to go to this after hours club that's Sean Penn's the, you know the club or something or whatever and so we go and it wasn't happening and you go I can't do this and we yeah, left I remember this completely now what I remember is two standing going I hope this isn't what I fucking turn into. <laughs> and here's the good news. I haven't. Good. Like, I'm pretty much a guy that just wants to go home. And I work. I'm writing a book now. I don't have any... You don't have any time to go... Well, you're not. First thing, you're the most sober, smart person that I know. You're I, one of the cleanest uh, people that has made a decision and helped Which is it. shocking. When You know, as much as I drank, I think I always knew in the back of my mind, like... I probably won't be able to do this forever, or I'll die. But uh, <laughs> but I but I also lights went on. Oh yeah, no, it's good. Um, but uh, I think it's the first time I've looked at it. I'm glad that. Uh, oh yeah, no, it's good. Um, but I'm glad that uh, in retrospect, I think I don't know how I fucking. I mean, I don't know how I lived. You could have died. Oh yeah, we yeah. actually could have died because I was. Uh, Jesus. This Christ. was a turning point in my sobriety. To be honest with you, this I so uh, was story. driving. This is the this worst This is a story. Just Say No podcast at this Never point. do this. Don't, and don't, 
But we do talk fondly about this. We're laughing about it. Which we're I don't laughing wanna... about it because it's horrible, and, and we know it's horrible. And now, and if you're a comedian and you're a performer, they're in your face still. So I have audiences that are everything of violation from being a foul-mouthed, drunken person. Sure. Or a stoner, which is usually more calm. They're yeah. just more placid. But a drunk person is aggressive and, and pretty vomitous. And... Drunk girls, I can't even believe what the story you relayed earlier. I hope it hits the floor on the you, editing. You uh, were, I don't edit. Uh, I, I know, I do know that. You were, uh, you were driving. because you're you, so busy. You don't have time. I'm busy, I don't have time. Well, I have someone who does. But, those, do but all I'm saying is people are that drunk now. So the people that are doing this, that are vile, please try not to be. Because you're a nice person deep down. You were, unless is, you were really buggered by the this warden. Is, this is a lesson of don't ever do this. And the only reason that I'm laughing about it is because it's so awful. I can't even imagine. We're so it now. lucky that we're not dead, or we didn't kill anybody. You were dry. You should not have been driving, and you were driving, really? and we were weaving through sunset, and the car jerked a little bit. And I remember in slow motion, I looked over, and you're like, "I think I just fell asleep." <laughs> you were asleep, and I was driving, and I did what I see people do now, and I oh. I call nine one one now when I see it. I become a real oh, asshole because I don't want them to die. So I'll go. Oh look, um, and what's your name? I go. I can they see it's unblocked because it's nine one one. I go. Um, it's just uh, I don't want to say, but this is there's a car right now. It's a yeah. sunset and yeah. and hill guard, and they're gonna die. This was like somebody. fifteen years ago, I think twelve or thirteen years ago, maybe. Well, this yeah, well fifteen maybe. 12 to 50, yeah. So we make it as long ago as possible? It was in the 1900s, let's That's say that. That's what I'm thinking. It was in the 1900s. I was in a stockade after this, but we were going down Sunset, and I passed out and went <laughs> up a curb. I went up a curb on Sunset, and you woke up and said, did, did we just, what, did, some, did we just, uh, did... And even at that moment... I said, oh my God, I fell asleep. Even at that moment, I don't, I, I think something in the back of my head was like, we... We can't end up this way. Like, we can't... We are becoming or we have become the thing that I think every person or performer fears of, like, oh, the guys who used to be on television who were a fucking casualty because they were drunk pieces of shit. Yeah, that's not... Um, I mean, I, I, don't even, I don't even want to drink in public because I don't want to be around people. Oh, so much sadness. It's, it's, so it's, much it's sadness. a dark, It's a dark lower depths, and I don't want to be in the lower depths anyway. And yeah. And, but that was... A very poignant moment. That was my just say no moment. That was bottom. I think that might have been bottom. I've been, but then I've, I've gotten drunk since then, but not of late because now I just have a. I go out with my daughters and we'll have a drink and we'll drive on, on Triborough Bridge, things like that. Did we? Did you know, we stop? Sometimes I wonder. Drinking and driving is the worst. It's the worst. Well, I never did it. Cause I always took cabs everywhere. I let you drive me everywhere. <laughs> but uh, it's a good thing you weren't a cab driver. <laughs> I would have been the worst cab How driver. How old are you now? 41. Well, I'm 56. I'm a, you know, that's a lot older than you. So this makes me sound pretty lecherous. Well, we were both fucked up. We were both well, fucked thanks up. thanks for assuming some responsibility, but well, I'm the elder here. Yeah, but we were both I'm, fucked up. I'm the elder. I, you know, I didn't I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had come off a show. You that, were depressed. You put, I your, was, you put your, your confidence of yourself in a canceled of show. Of course I did. Which, I was depressed and sad, and I felt like at the time I was not... I came off the show that was successful and I did not reap any benefits from it and I felt frustrated because I f- and in retrospect I didn't I felt like I deserved better I was angry well you're right about that well and I don't you know, know everybody, about that. everybody deserves better I mean it, not deserves I wouldn't trade it now I'm so happy with the way right. things have gone um, but, I, but I really think at the time I was just 
insecure and depressed and anxious and this is how I was dealing with it and, and that's what I liked about you drinking the drinking the drinking <laughs> oh, was and you would come off two shows and you were probably having a little bit of an identity of crisis and you came out of a relationship and you lost your sisters and you I lost sisters and uh, and uncles and I don't know so it was all like all those moments that we look back and go holy shit can you believe were things that came out of really um, abject sadness and so we're <laughs> and you know you know what's great and I, I, I've been calling it failing forward which is those moments where and I still have them now because you know relationships are still a quandary for me and and career stuff you know I'm, I'm busy which is good but it it's still I want you I want everything to fire on all cylinders but I look at it as now it's I'm it's just forward motion and there's much less time to have any kind of fuck up yeah, and I have I'm I have responsibility for myself. Yeah, which has really been helpful. Did you did you do a lot of uh, therapy throughout all that? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I I was never. Um, I tried AA and it didn't really make me feel any better. But I had a therapist. Well, it's like, hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> you know, well, a, a large crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do some time up here. Hi, Chris. Hey, guys. Uh, flying's weird. Uh, oh, I should be talking about my problems. I should be talking about my problems. I just got back in town. <laughs> I was on Delta. And what is it, the little tiny salt shakers they give you? Oh, also, I was crying in the lavatory. But what is crazy about Stuart My is... friend Bob's holding this girl's hair, and then he kisses her. I'm I mean, not sure that happened. Farts are weird. Um, <laughs> so I blacked out. But I, I had a therapist. I had a therapist the whole time, and that's that. That was you know like that got me through. It was actually, and I've I've been I've talked about this a million times. It was uh, Billy Connolly's wife, Pamela, was my therapist. That's cool. And so she recognized a great. 45 minutes of material. (laughs) (laughs) She was the one that said, like, you got to quit drinking. And I was like, I think you're right. Um, But so I had a therapist the whole time. and I've had that with the... Of my therapist, it's, you can It's very, very wonderful. No matter what the structure is, if you're going to quit all these something, you listing can, can get a therapist. That's no, a, but I think, the, but I think the important thing is that you need some support structure, whether it's AA or whether it's a therapist or whether it's or a religious thing or, or a religious thing or, or a non-religious thing or, or a cult, <laughs> a cult that takes you in the mountains and has their way, and you become their sister wife. As long as you quit drinking, that's right. Um, Keep but, you in a pen in a cage. <laughs> but I a, think that uh, Vicky Barcelona. Do you? Did we stop hanging out because I? Sometimes I th- was like... I'm upset about it. I, do, I, sometimes I feel like, did we stop hanging out because we were more drinking buddies than real friends? No, I, we stopped hanging out because I think I felt guilty that I took you to Pleasure Island. Oh. And you were also going through a hard time where you needed to be with people that didn't drink. I think that's and true. I was still drinking. And you felt bad about that. I uh, I did. I don't now. But now we're going to see each other. And not just for recordings, although we both don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I know. It kind of suits us. Well, it's, you know, I mean, listen. If I, I'm doing meth now. You do that, right? Yeah, well, that's how well, I, I do all the things that I do. Right. And that also makes it easier because softer food is better for my stomach because yeah. my, teeth are, yeah, are, teeth. my teeth are like on hinges. Well, exactly. They're rubber. I have Harry Dean Stanton teeth <laughs> and Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> Uh, but that's a that's an interesting point because I um, in this past uh, couple years of relationship I was talking about you a lot and it would go I really want to see him I miss him and I follow you on Instagram and I was I was even tagging you on something that I went I don't want to be weird I don't wanna, I don't like going personal on things and you and I have done a little tweets back and forth but sure. it's like it's kind of weird when you do the Fame Club or something or oh they have followers and I just 
And why talk to somebody with a couple million people having to see it? Rather like, than people just go, people come up to me and they go, "Why don't you tweet me?" And I'm like, "Well, first thing, it's not Facebook, and I don't do that because right. I have a fan thing, and I, it's weird. I, yeah, it's millions of people that are seeing a conversation that I really want to talk to you, or don't. We could just talk. Wait, we we can definitely do that. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I appreciate that. And that, that I'm that's, glad you that's said a, it. That's and I'm glad random... we did it privately. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm recording all no, of this. I don't. I don't edit. <laughs> oh, I have a story for you that you'll like. What? Um, I was in a... It's a, It's that kind of... I don't edit. It's a voice reminded me. I was a couple weeks ago with uh, two friends of mine. One was um, Jeff Ross and the other was Michael Price. And I was at the Polo Lounge having a, a drink yeah. um, and some fries. And a man comes over to me and he goes, um, Hello, Bob Saget. And I go, Hello. He goes, I'm Russell Crowe. And I go, Oh. Wow, so nice to meet you, uh, man. He goes, I have a joke for you. And I go, okay. <laughs> it's a little intimidating. And he was he had a bravado about him. He's Russell Crowe. And he goes, uh, what did the man... I don't know how the setup is. I know I'm going to fuck this up. What did the man say w- uh, about how his shorts fit and he had five penises? And I said, they fit like a glove. And he said, you finished the punchline. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, because I, I knew it. He goes, you're not supposed to finish the punchline. <laughs> and now you're pissed off, Russell. And he, he was pissed off. Well, I'm really sorry. I just, you want to have a drink? And next thing I know, Jeffrey Ross and I were smoking cigars and not drink. I can't drink and I cannot drink a huge amount of alcohol anymore, which is a great thing. And we were singing the national anthem at 1.30 in the morning at the Polo Lounge. And the hotel management came and stopped us. With Russell Crowe? With Russell Crowe. Three hours. And I was telling him what a good singer he was, and how I just did a special, and I had to use auto-tune a couple... Well, then you're not a good singer. I said, well, did you use it's auto-tune? just like how you finished my punchlines. You didn't. I said, did you use auto-tune in Les Mis? He goes, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm... He was self-deprecating about his singing, but I actually liked him in Les Mis. I don't know what anybody was talking about. I didn't see Les Mis. I have it right here. Oh, let's watch it. <laughs> I just just let this the last two hours of the podcast. It's just us watching <laughs> Les Mis. That would be very fruity. That's a nice look, those ladies in there. They look beautiful back in the day. Well, I, I wish women looked like that now. I don't know if that's the case. Can you hear the people sing? Oh, God in heaven. Russell, well, that was my Russell Crowe story. By the way, I was lying when I say I don't edit. I do edit... Occasionally. The <laughs> I edit occasionally. I edit this moment. That's what made you think of it. Well, if it, you know, like if sometimes if something comes out wrong, or if I feel like oh, if I'm riffing and it's something comes out in a way that like ah, it's just going to be too hard to justify that, and it was in a moment, and I don't want people to be. I don't know. Or you think about the very personal stuff that if we it, shared. It's, it's usually it's usually it. it's usually some it's usually personal stuff or if it's like oh maybe that person doesn't want that thing out my there. relationship stuff I probably want left no probably removed but what, if you're not editing you do what you want I, I generally I don't you. well you didn't give any details about it no I didn't all I gave details on was the R2D2 wannabe sharper image type of product the that always has a suction entry yeah. that you can actually and it's lips and they're warm and you can put your seed in there because it's an invertrofetalization device it processes the seed it keeps it refrigerated and then it comes out there's a thing that shoots out the back just like R2D2 had that little 
thing that would pop yeah. out. What is that called? The arm? The uh, he had those little the little servo arms. And there's a servo arm, uh, three fingerish, not unlike your dad sure. bowling with his yep. first yep. Uh, woman that was cheating. It's all tying together That's right what now. I'm thinking, and then the thing implants into the woman, and uh, if you do, you know, the tri seed area, you've got uh, three kids that come out, which I ironically have and had on the sitcom back in the day. What I love about this, well, technically you had four. If we're um, counting the Olsen twins as one singular that's unit. That's true. They were... Um, I actually might try to see them because I am in New York, so I might try to... Are you actually, still pals with uh, Mary Kate Nashley? I love them. They were... I actually was going to see Ashley in L.A. and I couldn't because I was going through a, a busy thing. But they're very uh, special people. I'm friends with everybody from the thing, which is... Uh, it's fascinating. Isn't it funny? It's funny to me how we can, in a conversation, you and I... And this is—I think this has just been typical of our relationship the entire time I've known you. We can talk. I, I think we can get. Seri- I miss this, by the way. It's fun. Yeah. We can get serious for about three minutes, and then it's going to turn into a robot fucking someone joke. Like we can't. And that's actually what a friendship is. It's a great thing if you have a comedy mind. What we have yeah. is a device that allows us to want to play like a nine-year-old. So <laughs> I'm always, always going to want to be like that. So yeah. people go, "Oh, you're, you're blank age." You know, I'm going to fucking die one day, but if I'm 96 years old, my dad passed away at 89 years old, and Jesus, at the very end, he was making the worst jokes. He was talk, saying terrible things to me in hospice and owning, he he raised, you know, four of his brothers. He they buried them all, and he had one sister who was still alive at the time of this uh, podcast. Sure. <laughs> but but he was he had an understanding, a certain understanding about life, which is why his funeral was so funny and, and why he was such a, a good man. Well, I, I loved him and I, I adore you and I really hope that we get to hang out more. We're, we're going to. This is the, the gayest ending of any show ever. We're going to. So I have your thing. And Jake. you text Pooh to me. We were texting... That's okay to tell them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that poop, that little triangle? It's a pile of poop. With it, it is. But they, that's one of the few things that the iPhone gave you as an emoticon as a gift. Because they don't have balls in there. There's no ass on there. They you, gave you, you poop. They gave you a little triangle of you, you poop. Used, you used to have to hack emoticons into your phone. And then and then all the phone carriers are like, well, let's just give them emoticons. I met a girl who was a phone carrier. Oh, is she okay now? Oh, my God in heaven. Why are we in a relationship in this day and age? And this is why I guess I need to... Uh, it, we are about texting, and we are about... Uh, we're all viral. We're, we are not communicating. We're not talking as much. That's why a podcast is a very cool thing. And I I am very into viral. I mean, I'm, I I want more, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a little... I'm, it's your fault. America's Funniest Home Video was like... The, it was, was uh, like viral ground zero. Well, I love what you do and it's real smart. I'm just glad that we're not on television at this moment because I would have had to make that face, that that gladiator face from uh, running into uh, the, the Grateful Dead. No, the the Born Again Dead. The, the Walking Dead? The Walking Dead. The I mean, Born Again make... Dead are when very religious people come back. As someone that they wish was dead. <laughs> they're, they were not we religious are... in life. They are reanimated but they're very religious. I love reanimation. I'm, I'm going to do it to myself. Yeah, it's a good. When I get back to the hotel, I also am a a big supporter of zombies because it really is, and that's why we are so taken by them. When you go out uh, in a lot of cities, it really is, uh, especially late at night, especially in the subdued alcohol environment. People are they are zombie like. It's a very 
incredible snapshot. You've just reminded me that people used to be freaked out. I remember my 30th birthday party was at Madison's in, at, near UCLA. And, and people came in and they're like... There were twins there. There, there were? <laughs> there were. I don't remember the twins. There were, really? There were blonde twins that used to uh, be there all the time. I don't remember that. I just remember yeah. people came to my birthday party and they could not fucking believe that Bob Saget and Rob Zombie were in the same space. <laughs> <laughs> that you guys were at the same... He's a nice first. man. He's unbelievable. You, you hang out with him? I just Yeah, I just saw him a couple days so ago. So I got fucked in this whole decade, but he didn't. <laughs> what did he do? He just stayed more in contact? Well, no. And, you know, truthfully, Rob and I fell away from contact, too, because he moved to Connecticut, and and the, and the I hadn't seen him for, like, two years, and I ran into him at South by Southwest, and then he happened to be in L.A., so he came on the podcast. But I, you know, it's... It's interesting, too, that I needed to go through stuff, and in our relationship, just sure. share it with each other, obviously, yeah. that you... You needed to go through stuff. I mean, you went through a you you walked through another you walked through a door and changed your life completely. I did, yeah, like com- completely. It's pretty different. That's a that's a a, a beautiful thing to do. <laughs> I'm and, lucky. And, you know, some people think it's a reincarnation thing. You know that people there's a they I used to be very metaphysical in my twenties. I would read all these books, Strangers Among Us, and all these you know Seth Speaks, all these things that Edgar Casey, all the Shirley MacLaine-ish belief system. And I'm sure your listeners do not know. Who she is, because I don't think so. They know, they know. Perhaps, but not. But Oh, Bernie with Jack Black. Yeah. But it's a walk-in or something where where you, all of a sudden in your life, another soul comes in and... and, Oh, that's really interesting. And takes over and and, and takes over or uh, obviously amends this one. I think you've actually uh, multiplicityed... I'll tell you what I think it was. Your your life. I think you've... I think I think rather than being, which is an interesting philosophical way to think That's about a it, bullshit way to think about it. It is. Even, I don't even think that way. But it's an interesting way to think about it because it does. But but I think that I still contain the same properties I contained before, but I've just readjusted them and refocused them into. You, it's basically I had all this energy that I didn't know how to deal with. Yeah. And so it was sort of like, it was sort of like you know Bruce Banner not knowing how to control the transformation and then one day with incredible focus and concentration of going okay this whole thing that I think is actually a detriment is a tremendous amount of power that I don't know how to control and so now I'm going to focus it and control it and that really was my approach to it when I first quit I was like it's clear that I have the ability to focus on things they're just not constructive things and so I'm going to take this sort of weird defect for lack of a better word and if I'm going to have this defective brain at least I'm going to focus it on const- on things that I want that I'm in control of and so I think that's that's what it was for me is just going well, and just kind of steer- well, steering it basically just summed up instead of being steered by it well that's all what religion's supposed to be it's all what moving yourself forward as a human being is supposed to be I feel that I've done the same thing because I'm not the same person that I was even two years ago I'm a completely I look at things in a much more lucid way I've been a panic attack throughout my life Yeah. and I was also I think anybody and there, there's a lot of people that are over accelerated and they're born with a lot of information and they can't be who they are and they're morphing out of their body when they're born they're roger rabbiting and they could be the most talented smartest people in the world and I've known many of them over the years that have fallen by the wayside they were ADD kids that weren't treated and there were other people that we know and just in our field alone there's comedians that blew their brains out you yeah. know, Rich Jenny was a friend of mine and really smart people that went and let their darkness and let their sadness overcome their entire being and rather 
than do that, what you did, which is what I have chosen to do, and I'm doing it, is don't, it's going to be exactly in your wheelhouse, don't fall to the dark side. Summon up the greatness in yourself. It's not religious, it's, uh, it is, it's whatever you want it to be, but it's a human energy that this kid, I was a fucking giant nerd. I really apologize for saying the N-word here. No, it's fine, you can but say I, I But I was about as geeky as you can be, and I used humor... And I was most insecure or the funniest person in the room. And I was a romantic guy who had a couple girlfriends, but not really. And I was really lonely, but always wanted to be funny, always making films, always trying to do jokes. And I didn't know how to harness any of it. I actually, 56 years old, have finally learned, I think, I understand what my stand-up is now. I never even knew what that was. It's, you know, it's, it's an old friend. It's, a, it's another relationship that is a, a very serious relationship that's... It's not like Liza Minnelli going, it is the same. I was always hear Mariah Carey, people go, oh my God, my fans, I love my fans. And it becomes something that I own as, wait, this is a relationship that I have with people, but that has, still has nothing to do with who you are as a person. Because I yeah. hear about people that are amazing talents, that are giant meteors of huge stardom that a couple years ago were trying to kill themselves because sure. they can't function as a human being. And basically, yours and my drinking days and me driving like that is a suicide watch it is it is it is just you're not allowing slower. yourself to go <coughs> it's or, a slower suicide like it's a slower yeah. and you don't realize that you're doing it and it's negative and it's a poison yeah but you're you don't love yourself or own yourself or go look at all these great things and you went and you're not the guy that was in the bar when the show got canceled if a show gets canceled <laughs> now if a show gets canceled for me now I go, oh, the show got canceled. I don't even... I used to spend weeks thinking about something that failed. Or I would think for hours about some conversation where I said something wrong. I don't... There's no time for any of that. You just move I get mad. I get mad for a day or two, and then I start a new thing. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, I'll start a new thing. We'll just fucking see if that works. Yeah. And so it's, good to, it's good to get angry, because that's normal. As long as you can do... You don't it, harbor it. Yeah, I mean, and we... Uh, and then I'll, we'll wrap it up with this final thought. I just want to tell you that my legs are completely covered with self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really doing well, though. That's good. At least you at least you are okay with that. And before I came here, I put two packs of goobers in my ass. That's fine. Individually, though. I didn't... I took them out of the box. I threw the boxes out. The trick is if you can shit them all out in one clump. Into that girl's mouth yep. from years ago. Yep. <laughs> wow. What were you going to say to sum up? I'm sorry. No, that would have been the perfect way to end. We start a just, serious phone and then it turns into butt goobers. Rapid fire goober shooting in a Quentin Tarantino machine gun like fashion into it was, a girl who's it was something, going to end up throwing them out. I would have said more Tex Avery, but Quentin Tarantino works as well. I like Tex um, Avery. I think uh, it was just something that, we, that I kind of stumbled upon with the Nick Offerman podcast, which was that part of sort of uh, growing up or being mature or, you know, being a man or, I mean, I don't even think it's gender-based, but it's uh, the idea of ownership. And it's sort of what you were saying with the fan thing. is like when you can take ownership over things, that's... Of, of who you are. Of, of everything. Of, of everything. who you are, of your responsibilities. And of, how you perceive of, the world. Of things you've done. And relationships. Yeah, of things and, you and want to also who do you kind are. things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's be just, noble as you can take, be, which you are doing. Taking that's ownership what, over stuff. That's what's always great. I'm I didn't trying. mean to cut you off, but I want to because 
You've had enough. But, but you are a noble man, and that is what I am the most responding to now at this time in my life. My middle, uh, you know, my middle, my mid, my midlife crisis is forty-two years long. Sure. You know, I get to sixteen, and then it's a midlife crisis. Of course. You know, for maybe longer. But you are very noble in your purpose, and um, and you've always been, and you don't have the blur of the the shit. So it's really a pleasure. Well, I appreciate that, and I've always considered you a one of I, you know even then when we're not hanging out and people Best say friend ever well when people say like you know what's bob like i'd say you know he's the sweetest most loyal if bob's your friend he'll fucking you know he'll walk over a fucking bonfire other to, walk over other people to get to you he will walk over <laughs> other people and put them in his way and set them on fire that, he, that you would do anything for your friends or your family and i think that's i'll kill for a friend <laughs> oh my god anybody oh shit <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll stop this and I'll give you a list. All right, I'm glad we had this chance Me to too. catch up privately. I love you, man. Thank privately. you. Yeah, no one's listening. This this man hug in our robes is so great. Why is your robe still on? Why is this robe like no other robe? You don't know Jew jokes. This, why is this night different than all other nights? Was a Jewish thing. Oh right. Am I your only Jewish friend? No, I have lots of Jewish friends. Because of comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I've also had Rodney's balls surgically implanted under my regular balls. So that is these might look familiar layer? to you. Yeah. So it's kind of like a um, four pack. Oh God, and a two pack? No, wait. A four pack. Well, who's the uh, Jabberwocky from the Star Wars movie? The one that uh, yeah talked bad. What? Jabber? You mean Jabber yeah. the Hut? No, the other thing that nobody liked the way he talked. That, Salacious Crumb? No, no. That guy. The guy that was in the the one that Jar 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 Jar. Oh, Jar Jar Binks. You mean yeah, the, that's the his new, face yeah. is like a double layer of balls, isn't it? Isn't it, it, it like it, four balls you walk? Yeah, yeah. There's that's the, Yakov Smirnov's <laughs> Four balls you walk. You walk proud. What a country! Well, oh my God, that's a good time to. No, we don't. They don't stop at a Yakov. Yakov helped me move in the into Russia. My butter, it, he did. Yakov was one of my movers, and Vanna White was my neighbor. Oh shit! And the joke was at night we would well we would uh, watch her blinds move when she had sex, and it would be like, "Give me an O, 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 O." <laughs> that was a joke. I lived in Hollywood, next to Vanna White. Yakov Smirnov helped me move. In Russia, burrito enjoys you. In Russia, television fucks you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Bob Saget. I love you, Chris Hardwick. Stopping recording. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist.